0: Hey everybody, this is Brandon Still, host of Nashville Restaurant Radio. And there is a new way to hire and be hired in the Nashville hospitality industry. Ladies and gentlemen, Foh & BOH. That's F-O-H and B-O-H. Foh & BOH is a local company, locally owned and operated right here in Nashville. When you log in, you don't have to click which city because it's only here. Here's how it works. Industry professionals, you create an account, you complete a profile, And bam, you are uploaded into the system for employers to find you. If you are an employer, if you own a restaurant, you want to come in and join, all you have to do is go to nashvillerestaurantradio.com. Go to the homepage, scroll down, click the Faux & Bow link where you will get a 90-day free trial. It is a 100% free trial. All you have to do is go to the website, log in, create a profile and choose between 2,500 people who are ready to start a career I know, it sounds too good to be true but it is not, it is amazing, there are so many benefits and features to this website please go create a profile now just see, just check it out it literally costs you nothing go to nashvillerestaurantradio.com and scroll down from the homepage, click the link and start today Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host, and I am just so excited today I'm excited for Foe and Bo coming on as a sponsor. And you know what? We went over that entire website today, and it is just amazing. If you haven't checked it out, if you haven't heard about them, it's just the coolest platform. No resumes, no weird, no awkwardness. You can record videos if you're somebody looking for a job to kind of showcase who you are and your talents. Uh, It's just a unique new way to hire and be hired. So go check it out. Again, it's really amazing. Today on the show, our guests are Jeff and Jenny Pennington. And they are the owners of Pennington's Distillery. And also happen to be friends of mine. I've uh, known Jeff since I was a kid. We grew up four houses away from each other. We used to teepee each other's houses when we were kids, when that wasn't like a, an offense. We just kind of had fun doing it. And uh, it was really nice to catch up with them. I cannot wait to release the video for this episode because they are literally on a boat. They are on a boat, driving around on vacation, a working vacation, they said. And uh, we have a really good conversation. We get to talk. It's kind of another love story episode where you get a husband and wife that own a company. And uh, we get to hear all of that gushy stuff, kind of the, the rest of the story, if you may. But I do want a quick... Before we get into that, tell you a little bit about Springer Mountain Farms Chicken because uh, because they're an amazing sponsor of mine. All of their farms and facilities are family-owned and operated, and they're conveniently located within a 60-mile radius of their home office in northern Georgia. This enables them to provide their customers with the safest and highest quality products possible. Go check them out, springermountainfarms.com. Uh, I have... Started a new page on the website called Sponsors, which kind of talks about who is sponsoring the show and what they mean to us. And um, there's also a listener-supported page. If you want to help create a uh, better podcast for me, if you want to help donate to help me make this a better podcast for everybody, I would greatly appreciate it. So we're four minutes in. Let's get going. Let's talk with Jeff and Jenny Pennington from a boat. We are joined with Jeff and Jenny Pennington of Pennington Distillery, and you can't see them yet, but you will be able to see them shortly, and they're on a boat. Welcome, guys.
1: Hi. Hi.
0: It's kind of fun. I, my first time being on a podcast while talking to people who are actively driving a boat.
1: <laughs> we're going very slow and safe. We're going to well, going my city speed.
0: The No wake zones, my favorite zone. That's a uh, that is the definition of multitasking.
2: <laughs>
0: so you guys, I know both of you, independent of you guys knowing each other. Jenny, I think we went to the same high school. Did you go to Centennial?
2: I did. I went to Franklin with Jeff, and then transferred to Centennial when it was built.
0: So I was there. I was the class of '97. Were you class of '98? Yes. Okay, right, so you were the I was the very first graduating class at Centennial, yes. And Jeff, right now, if, if I sit, I'm sitting in my office, if I look like this, I can see the front door to the house that you grew up in. How
1: are you, are you uh, do you live in your old house?
0: I live two houses down. How
1: funny.
0: That so I bad. walk through my backyard, I can get to my parents' house. So I live, like, literally, I can see the front door if I do this. I can see the front door. I live across the street in one house over to the left.
1: Does your parents uh, still live in the same house? They do. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, so we have a, they have a pool, you know, and um, we now have a trail I built through the yard that goes up through the backyard to the pool. So that's, it's amazing. It's like having a pool in our backyard.
1: Did Stephanie graduate from Centennial, or did she stay at Franklin?
0: Stephanie got, uh, she went to homeschool, and she went. Uh, you know, she was like a professional model, and then she came back and wanted to go to school quickly. <laughs> and so she graduated in '97 with me. She um, was homeschooled, and uh, then she went to MTSU. So, um, so you guys, I know you both. Like I said, independently, and when you guys got together and got married, I was just like, oh my gosh, what a perfect couple. Because you're both hustlers. like Everything that I've known about you being in this industry is that you're serial entrepreneurs and that you you get it done. Um, Jenny, tell us about your history and kind of what you did post high school.
2: So I graduated from MTSU and I had been interviewing with some liquor distributors and was offered a job on... Saturday, I believe, my graduation day, and on Monday, I started my career with Best Brands, which is based in Nashville. It's a wine and spirits distributor, and I was hired as a telemarketer, so that's the person that sits in the office, and you basically call the accounts out in the middle of nowhere where they don't want to send a physical rep there, and I did that for five days. At the end of my first week, I look up from my desk and I see about four upper management men standing there and they look very panicked and I'm thinking, what's going on here? And I overhear them discussing that this person that they had trained to be an outside sales rep had been training for like three months. And all of a sudden she decided to tell them that day that it was not the right job for her. So caught on to that and I immediately was like, I am much better in person than I am on the phone. Like, please give me the opportunity. So I quickly got a promotion on day five and the following week started calling on bars and restaurants and eventually worked my way up to become the on-premise spirits manager. And, um, I was there probably like six or seven years, I guess. I feel like it seems so long ago. Um, and, Jeff and I had started dating at this point. He had left Horizon Wine and Spirits, which is now Empire. He started a digital advertising company. It was called DDD Dynamic Digital Designs, and
1: he had screens in all
2: the bathrooms of like the top restaurants in town. Oh, I remember. And, yeah, and um, and we he would get you know advertisers to to you know spend money on there, and I just remember being envious and thinking you know he's obviously working hard but he also has that freedom that if you work hard you can play hard and you don't you know he wasn't limited to two weeks vacation a year and all that and I just said you're limited
0: to two days
2: yeah pretty much
0: (laughs) I was gonna say two weeks (laughs) sounds aggressive for an entrepreneur
2: right so um you know I just said I want to join forces with him and come and do this I can sell advertising so I made the tough decision to leave Best friends. I love them so much. I still love them today. And um, went and started working with Jeff, who was just my boyfriend at that time. And I'm lucky that I have really cool parents that just were very supportive. They didn't tell me I was crazy or anything. And, um, you know, we did DDD together. I think two weeks before our wedding, we got a phone call from a local company. It was a Inc 500 company. And they said, we've been watching y'all. and we're interested in buying your business and you're we like wow it's not even for sale but great because we were really tired of selling advertising <laughs> 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 and we missed the alcohol industry so basically we um, sold ddd and we used the money to start the distillery the laws were changing and jeff saw an opportunity there to maybe we could file and get our own distillers permit we didn't even know what our first brand would be yet or anything and we just pivoted
1: onto that. You Meanwhile, just had she, a dream. She started another company in the middle of that, though. Speakeasy. Like, while we were running DDD, Jenny started up a marketing company because of a lot of her old customers and uh, vendors uh, when she was an on-premise spirits manager. Because she glossed over that. But back then, there wasn't a lot of females in our that industry. It was very, very male dominated. This is only fifteen years ago. Yeah, she was one of the first women' spirits managers in the in our industry uh, so when she left uh, a bunch of the suppliers you know, you know that world you know the liquors the manufacturers mm-hmm. had reached out to her saying hey you know my distributor sees can I still hire you to help me with marketing so Jenny's also in 2008 started speakeasy marketing and still owns that today runs a very successful uh, business on her own there as I like to say, the first five years is I played distillery because they didn't make any money. She was making the money for the family with that company.
0: <laughs> and that's, uh, so I'm not gonna pay it into how you started making vodka, but Jenny, what do you think the thing, what's your what's your motivation? What are the things that drive you? I mean, you started and you said day five, you had the wherewithal to walk up and say, hey, I, that that's a position that I want. What do you think in your personality And then you immediately went up to being a sales manager, not immediately, but you worked up to being a sales manager. What about you makes that happen?
2: Um, I just think there's different kinds of people and some people can recognize problems and figure out ways to solve them. Some people like to wait and kind of get a playbook and follow the systems that you put into place. And I think Jeff and I are both people that, we can recognize needs and recognize opportunities and aren't afraid to just take a risk and get out there and make it happen ourselves instead of waiting for somebody else to do it for us, I guess. And I think, um, <laughs> you know, ultimately the driver for me is just personal freedom in our life and, you know, being able to create our own destiny and the sky's the limit if you work for yourself and you work hard enough and, you know, hopefully you can make it something as great as you want it to be.
0: I love it. What about you, Jeff? I mean, you've been doing this, you've been on your own for a long time and I've been watching your career for a long time. We were friends, I mean, you know, gosh, when I was like 14, 15, you know, we were young teepeeing each other's houses.
1: (laughs) It's so funny, we had someone turn in, uh, you probably don't even know this, but I told your brother and, and Neil, uh, we had someone post on social media that they put her vodka in the freezer and it froze into ice. Well, that doesn't happen.
2: No. And so
1: I did to tell the lady that probably her child, whatever, to <laughs> <laughs> get water in it. And I told Justin, I was like, the only reason I know this is because I got caught doing that. He's like, you did? I go, yeah, and I remember I told him it was Brandon Steele. Him and his friends came over. <laughs> it's like like I was trying to get out of it. I was like, oh, but uh, yeah, we... I just like the freedom. Um, I like I like answering. You know, when I was I, I enjoyed being in sales because I think sales in general, if you're if you're if you're a good salesperson for a company, you're a typical. You're, you're you're your own entrepreneur anyway. If you work sure. in a commission based sales job, you know you 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 have to get up and work, or you're not going to get your commission. You got to go call on people. And I think uh, I just kind of stumbled into it because after college, I was I started. I mean, I college almost told me to leave. They're like, all right, you've got it. You, you finish school. You have to leave now. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. They're like, "But you have, to, you have to go. You can't stay here.
0: You're done. Bye. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're good. So, uh, I started, I pulled out the newspaper and looked at every job that sounded interesting or that I wanted, to, I thought I'd be, it would be fun, uh, required two to four years sales experience. So I figured at that point, I was like, well, I better go get some sales experience. So I did the same thing. I reached out. I was bartending at the time. So a couple of the guys who would come in and sell us booze, I was like, you're in sales. So I figured out the distributors sell liquor. And I was like, well, that sounds like fun. So I put a bunch of, res- put a resume together. The only resume in my entire life. <laughs> so that one Me resume. <laughs> and uh, I sent it out. And I- same thing, I got hired while I was still, in- while- about two weeks left in school. Um, and started literally the following Monday, and I did that for eight years and realized I loved being in sales. I actually started at the bottom, started POS, just stacking cases in liquor stores for about six months. It took her five days to get promoted. It took me six months. She's obviously a lot smarter. Um, but uh, after about six, seven years, I just realized I loved sales. I loved getting out. And I realized if I could sell booze, I mean, I sold a lot of products. You've been in sales. You sell a lot of products you like, and then you have to sell a lot of products where you feel bad. You're like, I don't want to sell this to someone.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I, you know what? It's funny because I don't want to interrupt you. The, uh, when I got out of kind of the restaurant game, um, I did my level one sommelier in 2003 and my wife said, you know, Hey, I don't want you in the restaurants full time. And I said, great. Well, I'll get into liquor sales. And the idea of just me loving wine and loving spirits and loving booze was tough. Cause I was like, I don't want to have to walk in somewhere and say, no, I think this crane Lake is a great wine.
1: <laughs> like, I, I felt
0: like my integrity would be lost if I felt like I had to hit quotas. I could do that with food. I can say I need to sell lettuce or I need to sell, you know, zucchini and squash. There wasn't brand specific, but you know, I didn't want to have to do that with with booze.
1: It's true. I mean, you feel guilty in a way. I mean, I enjoyed selling stuff and I enjoyed going because I always saw and what I t- tell our salespeople now is look, a good salesperson acts like a consultant, not a sales 100%. You know, your job is to help them make money and be more successful, hopefully using your products. Um, and some places just aren't a fit, so some products and some are better. I mean, I started in wand, just like, just like you, and there were some great wands we had in our book, but I don't want to say the company didn't let us do that, but we had big companies who we had to answer numbers to, and I had to sell brands that I just didn't believe in or not that I didn't believe him, but I knew there was better better quality wines or better juice. I always tended to like the small wineries, the family-owned wineries, the ones that had good stories. Yeah, and, always. And my boss would come to me and they're like, hey, your sales numbers are great, but you're not hitting these core brands. You're hitting all these. And so I realized, man, I want to sell. I like selling, but I want to sell stuff I want to sell and
2: you're passionate. and that I'm
1: passionate about. And so I, I kind of decided to start writing a business plan. I wrote about four or five different business plans on things I could go out and do. And um, kind of landed in the advertising. I, I really believe that digital advertising was was the future. It's starting to come along now and be more- it
2: was ahead there. of its time.
1: Really ahead. I mean, actually, the whole business model started as a, uh, a wine sommelier uh, tablet, but this was before iPads. Oh, wow. So, I had gone to a restaurant in Vegas that had their wine list all digitally on these little pads and you could do all, you know, look through all the wines. I thought it was so cool. So I started working on a wine kiosk that you could put in restaurants or you could put in liquor stores. And the whole basis was you could say, I want a 94.1 from Spain that's under 20 bucks. Or I want a Sauvignon Blanc that pairs well with this fish that goes here. Or, you know, there's probably about 20 different search criteria. This you know, really kind of getting at Google. So I mean, um, and I figured out that all the three first three digits of the codes told you the supplier. So you could do that. And i hired a, a developer to do it and I spent about six months building it. Uh, and then I realized that the 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 equipment was so expensive because there was no iPads back then. So to get like heavy duty pads that could go to each table, they were like fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars a piece. Now you wow. could go get touches for two hundred a piece. And so I went to a restaurants and realized it's very uh capital intensive so i was actually in the bathroom at red door one night reading the graffiti ads you know i do I mean, like, know
0: i've never been there before <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: and it hit me i was like man i can memorize every graffiti ad that ever was <laughs> like yeah you, i mean they are just memorable because you're stuck right the old rule you got to look forward so i was like you know <laughs> what if we put these in a digital version just in the bathrooms and and uh and so I tested it out at a couple of restaurants and we sold out the advertising like four days for the whole year. I was like, well, that worked. So kind of like every entrepreneur, you pivot to where the money is. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately the, the, the passion part of it was the wine kiosk model that some people started doing, and I'm glad I didn't it didn't right, go route because I saw about four or five of the companies start doing it and it didn't work like I thought it would. I guess people just didn't use it, but uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got there until, you know, and then, and we, uh, we actually we went to Europe and we sold that company. And we were going to, as we started the distillery, we were going to try to find a brand in Europe that we could import and sell. And so we traveled around for about three weeks and went to every kind of bar from France to Turkey to Greece to...
0: Sounds uh, terrible.
1: Yeah, Britain. And uh, everywhere we go, we realized they got big brands too. There's no small brands. We'd say Tennessee, and no matter where you were, anywhere in the world, they knew two things, Jack Daniels and Elvis Presley. So we—that's when we pivoted. Said, "Well, we need to make our own, our own whiskey and our own whiskey cream." So. All
0: right. Well, you've 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 set it up well for me to move in that direction, but I'm not I'm not going to take the bait. I'm going to come back. I'm going to go back to Jenny. All right. And I want to know I want to know more of the backstory, right? And we're going to get to Tennessee, the Whisper Creek, because I I love that story. But I want to know more about your dating, and <laughs> your uh. You guys have sold this, you guys are traveling, you sell the company. And when did you know that you were gonna marry Jeff?
2: Well, not in Mrs. Redmond's history class, our freshman year of high school. <laughs> um, we went off to different colleges, never, yeah, never dated in high school, but we were friends, we were in the same grade and had you know, same group of friends, same circles, all that. So that was, I think, important because we obviously are rooted in a friendship. Um, So after we graduated college, we both, you know, landed these jobs for distributors, competing distributors in Nashville. And it was super exciting because it, like Jeff said, A, there weren't a lot of women, B, there weren't a lot of younger people in general. So to run into my buddy, Jeff, that's doing the same thing I am, was a really great moment because here's somebody it's a peer you can relate to them you know you guys are both out there hustling so we started you know kind of rekindled that friendship and would hang out you know there's every time a new restaurant opened or a bar we'd both be at that event or whatever and we just naturally gravitate towards each other and um i guess it started getting i don't know if i knew i was gonna marry him but The first time I knew that I liked him, um, I remember I was parked on uh, Lower Broadway, which is impossible now, but you used to just be able to park out there and go in and get the order from Tootsies and all the bars. And I was sitting in my car on Lower Broadway and I was like punching orders or something. I look up and Jeff is walking across the street, you know, down Broadway on the other side. And at empire now um they made the guys wear like a dress shirt and a tie (laughs) and so he's got his you know rolling bag and his tie on I think he had a supplier with him and I just remember looking up and seeing him and be like man he's hot why have I never noticed?"
0: (laughs) it was the rolling bag is what it was
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It was all the wand I had on me. That's what it was.
2: No, I was too competitive. I'm like, that bag is another brand. That's what I was going to say. I was going to
1: say she started dating me so she could start stealing all my business. She was competitive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you got to seize opportunities. But um, so then I knew, and then it was on like gangbusters. I mean, then it just kind of shifted and it did become romantic. We dated secretly for a long time. I mean, how long? Like six months? It felt like a long time. Um, now I feel like What was
0: that like at industry parties?
2: Yeah, yeah. it was a big industry no no then. Um now, now you can now you can date you the can person next to you. Yeah, it's fine. Oh wow. Um, it was a huge deal. And I remember like feeling like that little girl on that movie uh, Father of the Bride where she's like, I met a man and I'm in love. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. Where I had to go to my bosses and be like, "I'm in love with Jeff Bennington from Horizon," and they're
1: like, <laughs> "So." Such a double standard. Remember, her bosses—we decided to tell our bosses on the same day, and my bosses were like, "Oh man, awesome! Go get her price book. Get all her info." Her you, who was, like, was oh that, Tyler? God, she's gonna. She's gonna give away everything. She's gonna <laughs> do this. It was so the opposite. <laughs> she was <laughs> the one working me at the time.
0: That's so funny.
1: Uh, so. so yeah.
0: So Jeff, how'd you propose?
1: Oh, down here. Down here. Uh, you know, I. Uh, her parents were really awesome. Her dad, but you know, when I thought when I, she told them that she was gonna leave her job and go work for a guy she was dating, that they were gonna, they were, I was gonna get a knock on the door late at night one night, like but they they were so supportive, and uh, I actually called her dad, and we were coming down here for a vacation, and. He had a bunch of other ideas. He was going to fly a plane and drive a boat and all this stuff. Hide
2: it in a bottle yeah. on the
1: beach. Actually, it just took her lunch and and uh, she loves key lime pie, so i i had him put it with the key lime pie, and about everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. She was, nice. like, was like, "I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat." I was like, "We're going to eat." And then she was <laughs> like, there, and like, "Let's just sit at the bar." I was like, "Let's get a table." She's like, "I don't want to get a table. Like, Let's just sit we at the we just bar." That's like so oh. funny, and then at the end of the dinner, she loves key lime pie, like obsessed with it. I, I'm not in key lime pie. And I was like, "What's key lime pie?" She's like, "No." I was like, "I don't want some." Because you do not even like key lime pie. Like
2: it's the first day of vacation. Like, do we have to start by like, eating dessert at lunch? <laughs> no, like, you're
1: you're- pie. <laughs> And then the guy, have you ever put a? Have you ever seen any restaurant put caramel on key lime pie? I don't know i mean
2: he's still not over
1: this i still don't get it I, I give the guy the ring i was like hey i want you to put this with the pot man so he puts it on the pot and then he takes caramel drizzle and drizzled it all over the <laughs> ring in the pot. i'm like what in the world
0: on top I'm, of the ring
1: i get she comes out i get down on the i'm trying to clean the ring she's like it's good just put it on <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, it's funny because I proposed to my wife at uh, Ruth's Chris the day before we went on vacation. We are going to California to visit all my family. And I was like, well, I'll arrive there and be like, this is my Beyonce. It'll be a whole special thing. And similar deal. I was like, just bring it. The cheesecake would be great. Because I had the whole thing planned to put on top of a strawberry, on top of a cheesecake. You know, the strawberry's upside down, set the ring on it. And she's like, I don't really like cheesecake. And I'm like, You do tonight. You do tonight. <laughs> Yeah. just deal with cheesecake
1: was it at the cheesecake factory no
0: it was at it, it was at Ruth's Chris and a friend of mine was the sous chef and he came out and he said I'm just gonna feed you and I'm just gonna bring out food and we didn't order anything he just brought it just started bringing us food which in my opinion if you know the chef is like the greatest honor in the yeah. world to be able to have him do that but um really a lot of fun so okay thank you for sharing those things because and I'll tell you what I'm getting at is that on this show, I love to talk about people locally owned, locally operated businesses. And I think there's this perception sometimes when people see Pennington's Distillery or, you know, they see these, you know, Picker's Vodka and they kind of, I don't know if it's a perception of this is a big, big brand. I want to go. No, these are people that grew up in this community who fell in love in this community and started a business in this community. I mean, your, your signature bourbon whiskey is, is Davidson Reserve, which is essentially named after the county, Davidson County. I mean, what's, everything you're doing is about local. It is what it is. And I kind of like telling that story. And so thank you for, for talking about it. And if you, for those of you who are listening to this only, I'm still looking at them on a boat. <laughs> they, are, they are still driving a boat while talking and I am getting more jealous by the minute because y'all are this, you're probably having the most fun of anybody who's been on the podcast.
1: It's beautiful. It's like we're we're going idle speed. I got it a little. I don't think so. Just the only part I hope when the boats go by, it's not too loud. But
0: I haven't heard one boat go by. I see every once in a while you guys start rocking back and forth. I see a little bit of wakes, but it's not too bad.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm right boat. there with you. <laughs> it's funny no, you listen. say that. I hear that all the time. People like we, we go to places like. Oh, you know, you're going to a big place. Like, yeah, that brand, you see, we like it, but, you know, not enough people know what it is. And then I'll go to some place, like, man, that brand's too mainstream. i like, yeah, like, like, I wish it was mainstream. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're like, no kidding. Like, please.
2: Right.
0: So what, we, what about that? Like, what is your, do you get that a lot? Like, I mean, what would you tell people?
1: Well, it just depends on the brand. I mean, you know, when we first came up with the idea of Whisper Creek, that, you know, we always, we want to do whiskey. You know, we knew we wanted to do a Tennessee whiskey. That's, we, we really truly believe that in 10 years there could be 20 to 30 very successful Tennessee whiskey brands, you know, just like Kentucky has bourbons. Um, but we, it was really important to us that we could make our own distillate and we could make, you know, put our own stamp on it um, and not have to be dependent on someone else's supply, but that takes money. So we could actually with the idea of Tennessee sipping cream when we were in Europe because everywhere we go we'd see Jack Daniels, but we realized there's Bailey's and started doing a bunch of research from like, you know, Bailey's is 90% market share. There's no American one. So we didn't with the idea mm-hmm. of Tennessee sipping cream.
2: And every, as Jeff said, every person knows Jack Daniels on planet earth. Basically they know Tennessee because of Jack Daniels where people might not know what California is, but they yeah. know Tennessee. I mean, that's amazing.
0: They're synonymous for sure.
2: So it kind of seemed like why not try to pair those two things you've got. You know, apparently a lot of people like drinking cream fours and they all know Tennessee. So
1: let's make a Tennessee birdie. We, I used to call it the Gallo shotgun effect, right? Figure out three brands shooting against the wall, see which one sticks. And you got one, right? And, yeah. And, uh, it's very expensive. So we didn't have a lot of money. We we had just enough money to, uh, from the sale to start this. And so we decided to kind of do what we call the rifle approach. Let's pick one brand and do it really well and take it out. And, uh, it was it was a lot easier back then because you only have one skew one thing you know eight widgets to to worry about um from components and dry goods parts and and uh we actually when we started our only promise was we would never sell vodka that was like our promise to each other <laughs> in 2012 she when I admit that but that's what, like cause we were she had sold sky and i sold absolute and we were so tired then- of selling the- flavors every week and yes. yeah you know, in the 90s and 2000s that's all it was right you go into a bar and there's 400 flavored vodkas and like five whiskeys
0: and that's what i'm talking about if you sell booze if i went into that business i gotta walk in and say you need blueberry stoli i have to walk in somewhere and actively sell that and that's hard to do and after you do that enough times you're like i don't want to ever do that again
1: and then it started turning to cotton candy and fruit loop and whipped and it was just it was getting old And so that's what, that was one of the reasons we're like, you know, we can do this. And and actually after about three years of Whisper Creek, we got it, we've gotten it out to about 37 states and Canada and Mexico, a couple other countries and realized that with one SKU and one product, you know, no matter how good it is or how cool the the branding is that Jenny put, I mean, Jenny's done all our branding and design for all our packagings And I think it's some of the best branding out there. I think that's one of the reasons people think it's big brands is because of how professional and well the branding's done from Jenny's side.
0: It's really, really well done. You guys, I mean, kudos. It, it, it's amazing. You guys have done a fantastic job.
1: So then in 20, what was it? 2013, we were at tells the cocktail and we were thinking about We need to do another brand. We need to find something else to kind of make some more, you know, we decided to kind of shrink back in not be so far, you know, try to stop folks on 37 different States and, what can we do to build a little bit bigger book here? And we kept kicking around. We didn't want to move moonshine because everybody was doing moonshine. And we were actually at a bar with the alibi, I think it was, late night. We, we were don't in admit, New Orleans. We were print, And somebody walked in with one of the shirts that says, Vodka pays the bills. And I looked right at Jenny. I go, Juicy issues. I saw it. We were
2: both just <laughs> like, <laughs> Probably because we've been at Harris all week, like losing our asses. <laughs> yeah, and we're like, God, we're broke, and we got another three days here.
1: God, we got to start making money. So That's when we decided, you know, you know what? And so we came back home and started doing research and we sold vodka. You know, people didn't drink American vodka. Most people don't realize that Tito has been around for 23, 24 years. Everybody thinks it's like a six, seven year old brand. You know, there was decades that you couldn't give it away or any other. I mean, if It wasn't imported. Nobody would to touch it. Sky even made the bottle blue and added a wide and make it look imported. And, uh, so we did some research. Oh, we thought our name was beat, but it's again. Uh, we thought our engine was about to go. Uh,
0: yeah, I was like, what's it, happening it was now? So cool. Is there? Are you guys getting pulled over? What's going on?
1: So what we thought we heard like a siren. We're like, oh, <laughs> we're getting pulled over for going too slow. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I, I would have had it all on tape.
1: Uh, and so, uh, what was it? We, where was that? Oh, so we we came back when we started doing research. We started realizing that. People were Americanizing with their vodka just like whiskey. It was Tito's, it was T-Petty, it was New Amsterdam, it was Craft. So that's when we decided, well, you know, two of the biggest vodkas in the country come out of Austin. You know, Nashville's pretty cool, we think. So at least we're born and raised here. So yeah. we kind of had to joke a little slogan with built thing. It says our music's better than Austin, so, sh- so should our vodka. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we decided to come up with uh, Picker's Vodka. We went around and round with the names for a couple of years, and Jenny kept, you know, she had pickers, and and I was like, I don't know, and you know, because we had a double play with music. But finally, after about six months, we realized it's easy to remember, and so that's how we came with that. You know? And then recently, we finally got to go with our whiskey. So, kind of filled out our portfolio and having a lot of fun, and kind of where we're right now.
0: So I know I the Davidson Reserves uh, doing well. I assume. You guys I mean, are having fun with it?
1: Yeah, it's really easy to sell something you don't have a lot of. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, we're really excited. You know, uh, we've got a great sales team, got great uh, kind of management teams kind of come over. and We've had some change, change in that over the last year. But, um, you know, Davis Reserve, we launched it. You never know, right? You work on this whiskey for five, six years and you hope that it's good. And we tasted along the way, and we felt good, and we had some great people that came in the beginning and helped us, some really big master distillers from Kentucky. and So we were confident, but you never know how it's going to be taken. And You know, during this whole COVID time, since we're calling it now, um, we received two of the biggest awards you can receive in Spirits, and we really haven't gotten to promote it. So, you know, we're, we're really excited. We we just won San Francisco's double gold investing class. Which wow. Is, that's like the Olympics, so, Spirits competitions. And uh, that's
0: congratulations.
1: And then Beverage Tasting is too, gave us no, uh, 94 points in number three North American whiskey of the year. I mean, right below us is Eagle Rare and Blanton's. And it was like, so, but yeah, the, that's you know, good but, company. And it feels really good. You know, we're not, like you said, we don't have a ton of it. So it's easy to sell something like that. But we also haven't really gotten to be able to promote that much because the restaurants and the bars are all closed and that's what you need. And, that's what stinks right now is the struggle with the on-premise. You know, we've, we've, our retail's been good. It's been really, really solid because people are not stopping drinking. They're drinking more. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you, you build brands at on-premise. And right now, with the on-premise where they're at, it's made it tough to promote that. Uh, and so, uh, what was it? We, where was that? Oh, so we, we came back home. We started doing research. We started realizing that. People were Americanizing with their vodka just like whiskey. It was Tito's, it was t betty it was New Amsterdam, it was Craft. So that's when we decided, well, you know, if two of the biggest vodkas in the country come out of Austin. You know, Nashville's pretty cool, we think, so at least we're born and raised here. So yeah. we kind of had a joke it, a little slogan we built, and our it says our music's better than Austin, so, sh- so should our vodka. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we decided to come up with uh, Picker's Vodka, we went around and round with the names for a couple of years and Jenny kept, pushing, you know, she had pickers, and and I was like, I don't know. And, you know, cause we had a double play with music, but finally after about six months realized it's easy to remember. And so that's how we came with that. And, and then recently we finally got to go with our whiskey. So kind of filled out our portfolio and having a lot of fun and kind of where we're at now.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for part one. ...of the interview with Jeff and Jenny Pennington, Pennington's Distillery. In part two, we are going to discuss their bourbon. We're going to talk about their bourbon and what it's like being part of the whiskey community, winning awards and uh, have a little street cred. And we're also going to talk about Jeff's dad, Jay Pennington. Uh, He's the innovative mind behind the Boundary, South Street, local taco, urban grub. And uh, I think he's got a new project happening right now but um, we then get into Jenny's father um, they have a vodka called Walton's vodka we get to hear that story uh, we also talk about COVID-19 how they've pivoted and their thoughts on the state of our country so please tune in tomorrow tomorrow morning it will be out so click the subscribe button. Maybe you'll get to see if it comes out a little bit early. And um, don't forget to go to our website and check out Foe & Bow as a new sponsor and a really cool company. Thank you guys for listening. We uh, we hope you are being safe. And as always, we love you guys. Bye.